and Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our tech magician producer, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular posts and you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. Trish's latest novel is Skin Shifters and Rob's latest novel is Tool Puzz. Our guest today is David Strabel, director of the award-winning feature documentary, What is Synchronicity? The seed for the film came from a 15-year-old boy in a group home where David served as a therapist. They were discussing how to be in the right place at the right time. The boy concluded, that was cool. You ought to do a book about that. David couldn't ignore the suggestion, and several synchronicities later, the book idea changed into a film project. His 2014 film features a young man called the Uncertainty Hero, who provides a foil for the material through tips on synchronicity. Welcome, David. Welcome, David. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So what are the roots of synchronicity in your life? When did you start to become aware of it? Well, it actually started years before uh, when I was a little bit younger than that young man that you just uh, mentioned. Uh, I was 12 uh, when I had my first experience of it, and it really uh, rocked my world because what happened was... Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm the youngest of 13 children, uh, oh, so, so uh, you need to know that, first of all, in order to give this meaning, because one of my, one of my sisters um, died when I was in that year, in my seventh grade year, and uh, she died of an autoimmune disease. I didn't know that it was that serious until close to the end uh, before she left us. And she was like a second mother to me. She was that much older. She could have been my mother. And um, and so I was really close with her. Uh, the synchronicities I became aware of were what led up to, came right before her death, which included um, one significant event was my parents had their 40th wedding anniversary in August that year. And so everybody was all together, siblings that moved out of state, uh, all kinds of cousins and aunts and uncles and so forth. So it turned out to be the last time we would all be together because uh, my sister Joan died uh, one month, about one month later. Mm -hmm. And at that time, she was doing pretty well. There was no hint that that, that could be something. Um, and the other... <clears throat> The other synchronicities were just how much closer I became with her and her husband in the summer leading up to her death in September. I was over there a lot. Uh, they had a, a new baby, and and so I was over there a lot uh, babysitting and, and just hanging out and just enjoying seeing how happy she was to be a mother, for one thing. And uh, it was just, uh, just a, a really quality time that summer. And so I, I looked back on those on those things and realized, you know, there's there's a story here somehow. Even at 12 years old, I'm going, what an amazing story, this was. And uh, even though many of my other siblings saw the same kind of flow that way, it really, for me, stuck in a way that was very impressionable. And it just shaped uh, how I looked at the world in terms of uh, energy or story or how people come and go in our lives and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, it just, it, it changed everything for me. And that was also my way to grieve and to cope. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, what, what was the autoimmune disease? I'm just curious. Uh, lupus. Oh, wow. Yeah, I no. didn't realize people died of lupus. Well, back then, it wasn't, my understanding is it was not controlled as well uh, back mm -hmm. then. She had it for 10 years, uh, and then she died in 1970. Uh, oh. So that tells you how old I am and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so see, I think, yeah, I think it has changed. I think there, I, uh, there are probably better uh, treatments mm -hmm. or uh, mm -hmm. uh, 
ways of dealing with it now than back then. Um, you, you started your synchronicity project while working as a therapist and wanted to write a book, but it became a documentary. It's, and I love your movie. But Thank how you. did you get the skills to produce this? Yeah, well, and just the there's quite a process to that whole thing because the boy, of course, said you ought to write a book about it. And, and so I started looking at it from that angle. I realized there were so many books already on it, and I didn't really think I had a niche to offer exactly. Mm-hmm. I could come up with one. And then one day I just coincidentally met somebody who was an actress locally uh, here in the Kansas City area. And it just struck me when I thought, actress? you know, film and, and it just, you know, it was like this bell went off and I thought, I wonder if there are any movies on synchronicity. And I couldn't, at that time I couldn't find any. And I thought, well, maybe that's my way into this. And, uh, I had a journalism background as well. And so I thought, yeah, maybe that's it. So I started hanging around film groups in town in oh, the cool. Kansas city area. And, um, it so happened there was one, uh, that I believe it was called women in film particularly, but they also uh, did, it wasn't just for women exclusively. Uh, and they were doing an activity with a, uh, outside filmmaker coming to town to finish her film on, uh, teenage girls in trouble, Hmm. troubled teen girls. And they needed helpers. Just anybody didn't matter if you had experience or not. They just said, you know, they're just, she's looking for people to help. So I thought this is my chance to find out what a film set is like and what I might need. Oh, wow. if I'm yeah. So here I, so I show up at this thing on the weekend and I just, you know, learn a little of that, this and that. And I happened to meet a fellow named David Lynn Gilmore, who was the sound uh, person for huh. that set. And he says to me, well, when, what are you doing here? And so on. And I said, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn. Yeah. I'm, I said, well, I'm just considering making a movie on synchronicity. And um, I wanted to find out what might be involved in that. And he said, that's interesting. He said, I, I know a fair amount about that, which I found very uh, surprising. Not that many people hmm. study yeah. that much about it. And so we chatted throughout the weekend here and there and got to know each other. And toward the end of the, at, at, actually at the very end, uh, we were walking to our cars and I happened to meet up with him and he said, uh, so are you really going to make that film? <laughs> and, and it was one of those moments uh, where I thought I can't be um, ambivalent about this anymore because he was, he wanted to help and he knew I needed his help and it, mm-hmm. it seemed like it would be a good match. And I thought, okay, I've got to step up right now. I can't just dabble my foot in the water, so right. to speak. And so I said, I, I, it, I thought about two seconds at the most, and I said, yes, I'm going to do it. And um, he said, yeah. all right, call when you're, you know, when you want to make the next step. And it was a few weeks later, uh, I did. And and so the funny thing was, I never could develop a one-page summary, which is what <laughs> some people said, you know, in, in the industry. Uh-huh. You should, I could never come up with it. And that held me back for a while. And then it was just like, well, it doesn't really matter. It didn't matter that much to him. And so we just met over coffee and talked it out and, and started going. So, huh. really, so you, you accepted you, the quest. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was very much a hero's journey kind yeah. of uh, quest. And then I had all kinds of help from so many other people. In terms of your question about making a film, since I hadn't made one before, of course, David was a great help and, and did much in that area. But when it came time to edit it, then it ended up falling on me to do that. And <laughs> um, I wasn't sure you know, where, how or where I was going to do that. And somebody suggested the Apple Store had a hmm. one-to-one training program. And maybe I could get into that. Well, sure enough, I go in there and you, you had to buy something to be part of their right. training. And, and back then, Final Cut Pro, which was the main software, uh, cost $1,000. It's not nearly that nowadays, but that was about maybe 2010 or 11, something like that. And I said to the person there, I said, well, you know, could I maybe get the one-to-one if I bought Final Cut Pro? And he said, I don't know. Let me ask the manager. <laughs> and so <laughs> they came back in a little bit and he goes, yeah, you can, we can do that for you. And that was the start of it. And I went huh. there hundreds of times. I don't know how many, I might've broke their bank on that. Um, <laughs> The number of times I was there, uh, over probably three years, I would say something like that. Wow! But it seems like all the help you needed and the tools right. uh, just came to you uh, one after another as That's you right. pursued this. You know, it's it synch- opened up. synchronicity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Being in, the, being in the right place at the right time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it really was. 
David, your film reveals a wide variety of explanations of the mystery of synchronicity. Uh, simply put, synchronicity is meaningful coincidence. But beyond that, it's been described as a window to another reality or cracks in the material world that reveal a deeper reality. So what, what's your favorite exp, uh, explanation for synchronicity? Um, my favorite one might be the one that you like, or <laughs> that, and that's my way of, of, of kind of handing it back to you to say, I think everybody should kind of develop their own and that um, I, I want to, I mean, I have mine and I'll, I'll answer your question more directly in a bit, but I, I want to start off by uh, emphasizing that the subjectivity of synchronicity is, I think, what Jung was trying to right. uh, carve out space for, was for us to honor our mm. imagination, our, our subjective experience, and especially in such a literal society or, or science-oriented um, society and, uh, that has to do with reductionism. So, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, it's, it's just trying to support other people about whatever their experience is. And if it moves you closer to who you really are, whatever it is, I think that's, that's it. But the, the trick is to remain open and to remain alive. It's not a static thing. I think it, it, the challenge is to keep it alive which, with whatever you go with uh, or that speaks to you. So the, I, I think the, the thing for me that has surfaced a lot has been uh, through my study of Jung here in Kansas City through the Friends of Jung, uh, the group, local group, and uh, reading and so forth. So I think it would be around the area of what uh, James Hillman called the acorn theory, mm -hmm. um, which you know is kind of the notion that we, we all come into the world with um, a certain seed, a certain uh, theme and story to live out. And uh, it's, it's also been called the genius within us. Um, it's got many, many names. Uh, the divine mm -hmm. within us, uh, the daimon, D-A-I-M-O-N, was a Greek term for right. kind of an, an eternal twin that uh, helps mm -hmm. us out through this life. Mm -hmm. so, so I like that kind of notion that we come in with something, but we forgot what it was, and that's what creates <laughs> the drama of life. Because if we remembered and knew everything, then we'd, we'd have to forget in order to start over. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of like uh, you know, the moment you know the outcome of any game, whether it's chess or whatever you're playing, you may as well just quit and start over. You know, <laughs> it's it's the mystery. Uh, Alan right. Watts has influenced me a lot too. I've listened a lot a lot to Alan Watts, so I certainly suggest some of. And he's uh, I've got some recordings of of him in the film. Um, but I, I really just like the idea that there's something here for us, and and that's part of what emerged um, in my experience with my sister's death. Was just wow! Look at what emerged here—the story and the and the kind of way that unfolded—and it tuned me into so many ways in which any relationship I got into, I began to see meaning in it mm -hmm. for me, hopefully for them, uh, and even the way something would would leave. That whether it was a betrayal or time was up for for a certain relationship, I could almost always look back and find meaning in it. And I think that's one of the uh, real values that we need today. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you and I met through the Coincidence Project, which was started by psychiatrist, author, and podcaster Bernie Bateman. Bateman is the first psychiatrist since Jung to undertake a serious study of synchronicity and was in your movie. How did you first connect with Bernie? Yeah, that was somewhat coincidental, I'm sure, <laughs> uh, accidental. And, and it's funny, I don't remember the exact thing that, that it turned on, but I believe somehow I got an email about a talk uh, at the University of Missouri in Columbia, which was just like an hour and a half or so away from me. And it had to do with synchronicity. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how I got on that email list or if somebody forwarded it to <laughs> me or what, because I was, I was, I think I'd put the word out that I was looking to maybe do, you know, I was back in that stage of uh -huh. maybe I'm going to do a book or something. And, um, so Bernie was hosting that. He was there at that time at the university as a psychiatrist. And um, so he hosted uh, Victor Mansfield was the speaker. Oh, right. Yeah. And um, so that was uh, my connection to Bernie. I went over to that. It was very enlightening. And Bernie and I met and just kind of stayed in touch. Or I think I reached out to him at the point at which I really was uh, going to do the film. And, and so 
there was some time by then he was just about ready to move to Virginia where he is now. But I caught him right before he moved, as I remember, and interviewed him on his back deck, which was very beautiful. And yeah, it really is pretty. So uh, David, in your documentary, you, you tell a story through a character, a young man who's kind of exploring, investigating synchronicity, uh, He's on this path of discovery. You call him uh, an uncertainty hero. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, I uh, I don't know where that came from exactly. <laughs> it's one of those creative moments when you're right. you know doing something that it just kind of popped into my head, and I was looking for a way to a container for the material. And the thing that kept coming back to me was, you know, especially when I couldn't even write a one-page summary, it it became very clear to me how how uncertain I was about what this was going to be and how to do it. And I just thought, well, maybe that's really what it takes, because to the extent that it has to do with discovering something you don't know, then Mm -hmm. you ought to orient yourself, it seems to me, to be more uncertain and therefore open to what is emerging, what's coming alive or staying alive. And uh, if you're, if you think you already already know everything, then or that you're an expert, the downside can be. And I'm, this is not a criticism of any experts right. out there. You know, it's just to say I'm sure. You know, it, it, which leads to a second thing, which is, can you hold two different orientations at the same time? You know, is is one of the ways that the uncertainty hero works. Is, um, you know, in the literal world maybe, but also in the imaginal world. Mm-hmm. And to or the foreground and the background is another pair of opposites. Can we switch in how we perceive things uh, and go from one to the other and hold both and see what comes? So there are a variety of ways in which it uh, the uncertainty hero. I'm still working on defining him for maybe my next project. <laughs> uh, but those are those are a start of some of the things. Uh, that I think he would typify him. Uh, one of them that I put in the form of a tip was for considering himself or ourselves as travelers, mm-hmm. you know, travelers in a strange land. And, you know, I believe it's in the I Ching, it's uh, number 56 right. relates to that. Mm-hmm. And I, I read that and I thought, yeah, that also, uh, you know, rhymes or fits really well with this, that we're all strangers here. And, and therefore, maybe we can respect ourselves and each other much more if we realize our vulnerability and our need for each other um, mm-hmm. and, and that we're on a path of discovery. So That's it, actually a good title for a book. Well, yeah, uh, what's that? Hero. Yeah. Oh, OK. I mean, I like that. Yeah. yeah, okay. There's your uh, book, yeah. David. <laughs> maybe, maybe so thank you for that. And that somebody suggested even the title just came out of the blue, you know, what is synchronicity and it stuck and I never could find anything I liked better. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I take I'm I as you can tell, I'm I'm a bit suggestible and I think that <laughs> you, you have to be careful of that, of course, to have some boundary around it and check things out. But I think it helps to have a, a part of you that can be vulnerable or suggestible. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'll, I will keep that in mind for sure. Um, the the other uh, aspect of it, there's so many others, but um, part of it is, and this could be a whole subject, but to be willing to go into the dark uh, mm-hmm. and to embrace possibilities is a big uh, piece that comes up in the film quite a bit too. How did you just come up with this idea of having a character like that who is like a fictional character? Yeah, he actually. is. Yeah, uh, yeah. That weaves in with the all the interviews with the experts. It's well <laughs> done, you know, because uh, it's not all one, you know, just da, 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 uh, you know one expert after another. You weave this story in about uh, which is what makes this so the cool. Young men, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I really don't recall. I I think um, at one point I had a different. I was playing around with like. Um, some spinoff of Jack and Jill going up a hill and, <laughs> and I, I played, it was part of an animation and it really was pretty bad. <laughs> and this is, you know, but it, you, when you're doing these things, I think any artist would say, you know, you do a lot of stuff that's pretty poor until you yeah. get to something better. And it's just, it's being playful. And so I played with different things was how it happened. And the folks at the Apple store were not only helping me edit, but they gave me creative suggestions oh, and, great many, many times or they would say when something you know was was uh, not up to snuff they'd kind of laugh or kind of roll <laughs> nice way you know roll you know roll their eyes yeah. a little or something or i could just kind of tell or sometimes they'd be very direct but um i it just 
I played with it, and and that, and the more I got into it, the more it stuck around, and it and it kind of had a life of its own that I again couldn't really shake. I I, mm-hmm. I was a bit ambivalent because I thought, are people going to think it's too weird or something? And, and <laughs> who wants to really be an uncertainty hero? We all in our <laughs> culture, you know, we're supposed to be confident and you know know it all, whatever. And and I thought, no, this really does typify uh, a new kind of mental apparatus. Uh-huh. Though perhaps at least at times. Now, of course, you can't know uncertainty without knowing certainty. Right. So there is a part of him that is certain about certain things or knows when to uh, embrace uh, a certain uh, something certain in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's weird. And the more I've kind of begun to fall in love with him a little bit more, so to speak, uh, <laughs> uh, because, again, at first I was I'll, I'll admit I was kind of ambivalent. But I think again, the creative, it's not for me to decide. I think that's one thing I've learned mm-hmm. about what many artists would say is you're here to do what, what work is kind of calling you and you don't judge it too much, right. but if it sticks and it seems to have life and, you know, I tried to get different people's feedback about it and this and that. And, uh, and so for a while, other people liked it more than I did, but so therefore <laughs> I just said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to trust this and yeah. keep going with it. And, and, you know, now look at what's happened since the pandemic and some would say even in politics, you know, there've been so many uncertain things that it, now I look and I go, man, was I almost, um, you know, being prophetic or was it mm-hmm. being prophetic to say, no, go with this. Cause in a few years, uncertainty is going to be one of the main, um, waters in which main we, themes in life. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, your uncertainty hero talks about synchronicity as uh, reality playing peekaboo. Uh, doesn't that seem like a trickster element uh, where the trickster leads you on and then lets you go? Exactly. Yeah, it really is. And and um, a little bit of that came also from uh, material of Alan Watts, uh, mm-hmm. who reminds us one of the things he's fond of reminding us is that uh, everything is vibrating and everything has is waving. And so you can't have crests without troughs. Mm-hmm. And and another way to say it is that it's um, that the waves create an off-on, um, you know, pair of opposites as well. So that's where the peekaboo kind of comes in. Is now you see it, now you don't. On, uh-huh. on, and off. And and um, that's uh, that fits a lot of times with how quickly synchronicity can flash as an experience, and that's what makes it so subjective. And, um, so, and so startling sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so just to kind of honor that and uh, hold space for that can, um, so that you kind of learn to trust it, trust yourself a little bit. You still have to play and, and check it out in various ways and try to ground it or, or what have you. But, um, I think it's, it's a, it's a fun, playful kind of way. It can, might open up the child within us or something like that. Mm-hmm. that play, And so to, to think of it as peekaboo, um, it's, I don't think it's certainly others have said that before me, but I, I really liked that as a way to, um, consider it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. How, um, you said your ne- you mentioned your next project is going to be a film or a book. I don't know yet. Or do you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, and that's part of I'm I'm right back where I started before <laughs> before I jumped in uh, to to the film project. I'm I'm pretty close to. I'll put it this way: uh, I've already written probably three pieces that have to do with. Uh, my journey with the film or with synchronicity mm-hmm. um, as part of either promoting uh, the film or my website. I'm kind of still doing some work there with it. And so I, I've done these little pieces and I keep thinking, yeah, that could be something that could go and it could be developed, mm-hmm. be part of a book. So I think it's kind of happening in these little bits and pieces. Um, and it will, there will probably be a book uh, coming. And uh, beyond that, I think another area that's really up and coming would be classes. You know, people are doing online classes. And so I, I could definitely see putting a class together. Um, uh-huh. I, r- I already do some workshops or seminars uh, for colleagues. I've done that in the last few years. On synchronicity? Uh, not, um, it might not be directly about synchronicity, but mm-hmm. sometimes it gets woven in or the fact that I'm doing something related to story uh-huh. uh, brings up things like the trickster. <clears throat> right. Up. Um, you know, things that, that overlap with it. 
so, so that's, that's kind of got me in that mode. And, and I don't know if I completely answered your question earlier, Rob, about, um, uh, the trickster, because that is one of the main characters, you know, that's, <laughs> uh, that's in the film. That's part of synchronicity. It's, it, it's what makes it what it is. And, um, uh, I also think of it, there's so many different ways of characterizing it. Uh, one of my favorites is like the Joker in a deck of cards. Right. And so it can be anything in a way. And that's what makes it, again, hard to do science with it, at least the traditional kind of science that yeah. of as far as Newtonian and reductionism and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I'm curious, David, what did you think of Jung's Red Book? Uh, I have, to be honest, I haven't studied it that much. Um, well, I haven't either, but at least yeah. I'm on, you know, page. Yeah. Through it, yeah. Right just kind of, it's, kind of impressions. My gosh, it's just, it's beautiful. It's, it is. It's just plain beautiful. Um, and, uh, what a dive, you know, people talk about doing deep dives. That's quite a cliche yeah. these days. And, and I think, well, you know, are we really did the doing... deepest dive. <laughs> yeah. He, he really did a deep dive. I, he defined deep dive, I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, yeah. So in your documentary, David, uh, I think it's Bernie Bateman says that synchronic synchronicities really don't exist uh, if you don't notice them or just to dismiss them as meaningless. So it's very subjective in that yeah. way. And, but uh, when people awaken to this greater reality, they're they're often bombarded by these synchronicities. <laughs> they they can't ignore them. And mm -hmm. uh, these experiences seem to you know, uh, like be a, be a wake up call. And, uh, but what are they waking up to? Yeah, you, that's, a, there's a lot in your question there. I like that. <laughs> so, so um, i tell you what, if I, maybe I could answer this, uh, in the form of a synchronicity story that okay. uh, something I experienced, uh, that starts off with whether it has to do with whether it's being noticed or not. Uh, so this occurred back in, uh, 2008, I believe it was, Right when I was, I hadn't met David Gilmore yet, um, so I was still in that maybe I'm going to do it mode. And mm -hmm. uh, there was a symposium at Texas A&M University that year about synchronicity. Huh. So I'm getting, I'm on a, an airplane to go down to that. And pretty quickly, I get to know some of the people around me. They're all, several are in a group together and we're chatting. It turns out that... Uh, <coughs> It's it's maybe a group of, I don't know, eight or ten people as part of some church. I don't remember what it was, but a church. And they were doing their very first mission to, I believe, Central America somewhere. Mm. And so I'm, I'm visiting with the pastor happened to be sitting across the aisle from me. And uh, kind of behind me and next to me was his wife, among others. And, I, and she was kind of asking about, well... Um, you know, what are you doing? Where, what's your purpose in flying to, to Houston? Was what's the your purpose in life? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Didn't go quite that far. And so I started explaining about synchronicity. And for 10 minutes, we had a pretty interesting conversation about it. And other people were kind of listening into it a bit. Well, suddenly, uh, as we're talking about that, uh, it was a small plane that we were on. And uh, we hit some turbulence. And the pastor just across the aisle was beginning to raise his water bottle to take a sip from it when we took a, a deep fall, not a deep dive, well, kind of uh -huh. a deep dive. The plane just just really uh, uh, dipped uh, from turbulence, and he spilled water all over his face and his chest. Uh, it, it happened so abruptly. And so we were all kind of laughing, and he was sort of laughing about it and that kind of thing. Well, now... Uh, I'll, I'll ask people, I'm going to pause and just give a little bit of space here. It, part, part of synchronicity and, and finding subjective meaning is to consider, is there some symbolism, mm -hmm. you know, going on here? Could there be some symbolism in anything that's going on in, in a certain event or what have you? It's part of the antenna that you might learn to develop. Uh, so immediately it hit me. I'll just go ahead and say how it struck me was this, it was a form of baptism, yeah. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a good point. And, and, and for his, so I, I thought about, I kind of looked at part of the laughter was to, um, you know, look at, at the people around me and say, do you see a synchronicity here? And uh, they didn't right away. And so I suggested it and, uh, and they kind of, they sort of, I think many of them kind of got it. And the pastor kind of wasn't, um, quite as enthusiastic as I was about it, but he wasn't against it. He kind of, he kind of said something like, 
well, baptism has to do with dipping. And I, you know, <laughs> dipping into water. And I said, well, it was the plane that did the dipping. And then he kind of smiled. And, and so anyway, I, I felt like I didn't want to get into a debate about whether it was or wasn't. That's not, certainly not the point uh, because it's meant to be subjective and, and also an, an invitation. It's, it's certainly nothing to be forced. Uh, and that's another main key point. But uh, anyway, for me, it was, I could consider it uh, kind of a vicarious um, baptism of my journey to go down to this thing, only I witnessed it through him. The, yeah. It was a baptism of them on their initial journey to do what they were doing, and for me as well, is, is well, how I could say it. also been his baptism into the subject of synchronicity, couldn't it? Could have been, sure. Mm -hmm. but, but he would need to see it that way, or yeah. they would see it that yeah. way. That, that's personal. That's where, of course, you know, we could project all kinds of things as, mm -hmm. as I was, but I have to keep in mind, that's my projection of my meaning. And I, <laughs> I have to be very careful about just putting that onto other people that yeah. way. So interesting. But it mm -hmm. does seem, it does seem that if you be, once you become aware of synchronicity, then you start to really see them and they seem to multiply just because the, yeah. the, the fact that you're uh, aware of them, aware of them. And I think it's more than just the idea that you know, you if you buy a uh, Toyota, a certain Toyota, then you start seeing that same Toyota <laughs> all over the place. You know, because it, that that's your uh, your awareness. There's not really any more Toyotas, and I don't know if, that, if that's the same with synchronicity. Whether those synchronicities are always there, and you just didn't notice them, or the fact that you woke up in a sense to synchronicity, and now you're uh, because of your awareness, they're they're just bubbling up in your life. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've talked to several people who had that kind of experience of their bubbling up everywhere and, and they can be kind of overwhelming or yeah. make them feel kind of crazy. So, um, it's an interesting question, interesting subject. And I think what one of, one of the things I would say is, again, you can take it synchronicities any way you want, as far as they're meant to be for you. And so, mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes we, build up certain expectations based on what our culture might tell us it's supposed to be or could be. And so to start with just the fact that, okay, I'm having this certain thing, we can take them very superficially and, and, and maybe they're not even synchronicities. They're, uh, they may be coincidences or some other similar thing. The thing that my understanding in terms of what Jung, how Jung looked at it, was a synchronicity really needs to have uh, that meaningful component within. Right. So mm -hmm. something within you resonates. So you can yeah. have a coincidence out there, but if it doesn't resonate with some state, some mental or emotional right. state that you're in, then by strict definition, so to speak, it's not really a synchronicity. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but again, everybody's going to have their own way to hold that and take that. But I would, I would kind of go that direction mm -hmm. and then say something to the effect of to the extent that um, you're working your inner life. Yeah. Part of So this assumes, in other words, a lot of times we don't even have much conversation around having an inner life or doing mm -hmm. inner work, which is kind of a, a, somewhat of a Jungian term, but not, not just Jung. Uh, but so that has to do with what are my issues? You know, what are my right. shadows? And <clears throat> if we're not doing that work then, or we don't know very much what that is, or we take a hiatus from that, then suddenly we're not going to be as nearly as tuned into synchronicities as we would be otherwise, because it doesn't match up with anything that we're aware yeah. of inside at the time. Yeah. So, so but, that's, you know, that's the way I would redirect somebody to say, well, what's going on inside you that this could uh -huh be trying to poke at or, or alert you to. I do think there are global synchros, though. Um, you know, things that, if you take an event that's covered extensively by the media, for instance, mm -hmm. and, you know, like the number 11, we did a whole mm -hmm. thing on right, 11, yeah, right. you know. Um, Related to 9-11, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm. No. Mm -hmm. It just depends, you know, it depends on the event. Yes. But you can, uh, when, when something happens like a terrorist attack, we, we, we just start watching because we know there's going to be some kind of synchronicity that's going to evolve, that we're, mm -hmm. that's going to pop up. And, you know, so we're, we're looking for it, I guess. Yeah. And so and aware of it. So, you know, I mean, maybe a lot of people never notice it or see it. But uh, 
No, but this all. I, oh, I know what I was thinking of. The guy who landed the plane safely. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good synchron. I can't remember the whole. On the Hudson River. Yeah, on the Hudson River. And it happened. On the George Bush's last day in, in office. office. Yeah. Yes. And, and oddly enough, he never mentioned it. <laughs> Which is, you know, on, on his uh, on his outgoing, you think he, that would be you know, something, uh, but maybe he, he saw it as a negative synchronicity <laughs> for him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. That's that's that. I think that is another category of synchronicity of things mm -hmm. that happen on more of a macro level. Right. I'd say yeah. cultural or worldwide. Um, so I think those are absolutely worth playing around with and noticing because it gives you a sense of potentially what's going on in the um, kind of the collective consciousness or unconsciousness right. um, of of our species. And, and so you can kind of get a sense of where we are on, on that map. Uh, another example, if I remember right, uh, didn't um, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa die around the same time? Yeah. Uh, pretty close to each other. Pretty close I think to that's, each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so those are- Another were, weird thing about her, she was born under an eclipse and died under an eclipse. Uh I don't know if that's a synchronicity. That's just astrology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, any any time you're lining things up in a way, uh, then you know, and applying meaning, you know, then it again, it's just a matter of what level you want to take it at. I think, mm -hmm. and if it has meaning and, and substance to you, then um, you know, play away. <laughs> Another example of how uh, when you're thinking about synchronicity and that you're aware of it that they happen is right in is right in your documentary there's a couple cases where synchronicities occur actually in the filming uh one was uh uh i, I don't remember who it was that was being interviewed but he was talking about a synchronicity related to bird and a bird mm -hmm. flies yeah. right behind him now i guess he must have had a monitor or something because he he noticed it right away but that bird was behind him so i don't know well it was it was some of both yeah you couldn't tell uh from the camera the way it was set up the way that that happened was the bird actually flew kind of over the top of me and okay. a little bit in between me and him. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So he did see, I think he saw it, although okay. it might've been, maybe he had turned away for a moment, but what it did was it came from my left to the right over, kind of over the top of me and slightly toward him. And it was maybe only, we're sitting in chairs outdoors. It was probably eight feet off the ground, maybe 10 feet at the most. Hmm. I mean, it, uh -huh. it dipped pretty low, to, you know, into our space and uh, and then it did a circle, so it went past us, and then it looped back around and went sort of behind him. And then the shadow of it uh, showed up slightly in the film um, behind him. Oh, okay, that's what at it, that point. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. but yeah, he, I, I'm not sure when he picked it up, but um, yeah, we yeah, all he, noticed it. Yeah, he just kind of stopped, uh, you know, <laughs> what is saying, talking with what he, you know, what he was talking about, and said, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, and. and just, yeah, it was amazing, and we're pretty sure it was a raven, which is a, a oh, wow, right for uh, the trickster, yeah. right? So and the yeah. other one, I, the other one I noticed in the documentary was there was some discussion related to uh, an incident that could have been uh, spirit contact, and I think the woman says it could have been so and so, it could have been my grandfather, and when she says grandpa, uh, <laughs> somebody is driving by and honks the horn, like yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that was, yeah, we were, I was interviewing a young woman who'd been in a car accident and um, she uh, unusually for her uh, fastened her seatbelt that day before she went out and, and hit black ice. Uh, I think it was on New Year's Eve and, and uh, the slick road just put her right into the ditch. And she said, I normally don't um, wear my seatbelt, but something kind of nudged me or told mm -hmm. me or whispered to me, put on your seatbelt. And, and so she did, and that saved her from likely more, much more serious injury. She, I think she had minor injuries, but nothing real severe. And um, so, yeah, she's tell, we went back to the location where it happened, and I'm interviewing her on the side of the road. And uh, it was a nice sunny day, and, and she's talking about, I said, well, what kind of, do you have an explanation of your own or a way to, you know, that you're holding the experience? And she starts talking about, yeah, my parents, my mom kind of thinks maybe it was my grandma or my grandpa whispering to me. And yeah, so when she said grandpa, 
um, a car going by within, you know, 15 feet of us honked its horn at us. And it was in perfect timing. Yeah, right. Perfect timing with grandpa, each yeah. Yeah. syllable. Huh. And and at the time, I thought, you know, rats, I wish that person wouldn't have done that because it included it to our what I thought. And, and, and then I got it back, you know, when I got back to looking at it on computer, I went, holy cow, look at that. Look yeah. how perfect was yeah in fact and, you you played it a couple of times didn't yeah. you uh, yeah yeah so you know I, I didn't catch it at first either what you're doing then and i realized oh yeah <laughs> so yeah it's it's an example and that that one i mean that can be again on the edge of is it a synchronicity or not some people might go oh geez you know you're you're trying too hard there or something no, I think it is but, I yeah. definitely think something yeah. like that. But, but again that's at least to have the antenna so to speak of mm -hmm developed to where you notice what's going on in the background and and the timing of something going on in the background with what's in the foreground or what's right. in your state mm -hmm. whatever that that then you begin to see more of the possibilities or the the synchronicities that are out there another synchronicity in that girl's experience was that one of the cars that pulled over after she went into the oh, ditch right. uh, had a paramedic uh, uh, as the driver you know so that yeah might have helped save her life as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's you know one one story usually doesn't have just one synchronicity. They often <laughs> you, if you look a little bit more yeah. and and broaden it out, you realize oh, there's there's more than one thing going on here. And so yeah, it's it's a lot of fun that way. You know. Okay. Jung saw synchronicity as an umbrella for psychic experiences, telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition. But Dean Radin in your documentary suggests that mysticism, the connection between the mind and the universe, is the umbrella and psychic phenomena and synchronicity are part of it. What's your take? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a loaded question, isn't it? No, it's great. It's, it, it's, uh, it's a fun question. Uh, so um, my fun way with it is to sort of dodge it, but not really. I, I, think, it, I, I think he just kind of said it can be one or the other. And, um, so I, I mean, since I'm such a fan of synchronicity, then for me, it's probably the bigger, uh, container mm -hmm. compared to the others. Yeah. But I, I, I absolutely think it could, that's part of the fun of it. And the trickster nature of it is mm -hmm. that you can play with that any way you want and be just fine. And, and, and it's more about honoring your own experience. Yeah. Uh, so too. Yeah. The way uh, Dean Radin explained it though, he actually sounded it sounded like he was saying that synchronicity was something outside of psychic phenomena, which, you know, it doesn't seem to make sense to me. I, I, yeah, I, I don't I, think so. I, I could, I could be wrong. I don't think he was saying that. Um, I, I think, uh, I'll have to maybe play it back again. That wasn't my remembrance of it exactly, but I think he was kind of saying you could put synchronicity in, uh, this bowl, or you could put, or you could reverse it and have it be the bigger bowl. I think mm. his, his, his main one, if I recall, was mysticism itself that uh -huh. right. yeah. Yeah. mysticism includes all these things yeah it has to do with sure. feeling a sense of oneness with the universe and so anything that does that um you know it's one way to define mysticism yeah mm -hmm. okay here's an example uh you think of someone from high school that you haven't talked to for years wonder what happened to that person and an hour later you receive a, a facebook uh, contact uh, request, a friend friend request from that very person. And so, yeah, you could say, hey, it's synchronicity, but hey, maybe it was telepathy. Maybe it yeah. was precognition. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. it was all, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's what makes it so mysterious. And yeah. to me, one of, the, one of the fun parts of this, which might not be as pleasing to the ego that wants to know for certain, <laughs> and this is yeah. where the uncertainty hero comes in, is to say, right. It yeah. could be this. It could be that. Could we just leave it open that uh, and it's I'm not saying don't explore. I mean, keep exploring whatever you want, you know, to the extent you want to and, you know, to check out this or that. But um, just kind of keep an open mind and and uh, and hold space for mystery to continue that uh, mm -hmm. if you think about, uh, you know, one one question I might ask if somebody wants to figure things out too much is, well, if you have an answer to that, then what? 
You know, if you think you've solved it, then what? Because the danger can be that, that like with a fairy tale, if you think you know what it means or whatever, mm -hmm. or a dream, is that you kind of, I hate to say this, but you kind of kill it, potentially. Or <laughs> yeah. At least you put it on ice. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, and that could be okay for a while, but, uh, you know, and, and a certain meaning that you have could be absolutely relevant and spot on. But the thing is, this is where the trickster comes in, is mm -hmm. it's going to squirm and it's going to do this and change on you, kind of like, um, you know, a prism and looking at the different colors broken down by of light coming through a prism. It, so you come to see it differently on a different day. And so to hold mystery around that, I think, becomes... Uh, part of the fun of it. And I think people can miss out if they um, want to hold to one certain kind of right. explanation on something. So I, it's fine. Whatever, whatever kind of gets you through the night could be okay. But I would just try to encourage folks to whatever position they might have on anything is to just kind of stay open. And that's part of having a foot in, in the other world as well and seeing what, what else it wants to bring you. Well, you know, we've, we've found that synchronicity is inherent in nearly everything. In alien abductions, you know, in the sighting, mm -hmm. you know, of UFOs encounters, in uh, spirit contact, in times of transition, when people are going through marriage, divorce, birth, death. Um, yeah, we wrote. You know, a, we wrote a nine-part uh, blog uh, story about a couple in uh, Quebec. Uh, Quebec outside, they live outside of about forty-five minutes outside of Montreal, and they had. Uh, UFO experience at five in the morning and they some uh, missing time where this uh, craft comes first they see these bright uh, beams of light coming down into the farmer's field behind their house they're beautiful full of colors swirling around and then this craft comes like like a coin standing up right into their back backyard and uh, he turned the man turns around to reach for his dog which is suddenly covered in a beam of gold light and the next thing he knows he's taking a shower and his wife is sleeping. And this, he had no belief in UFOs. And uh, so th uh, this was very, uh, he went through, yeah, he went through a <laughs> mental crisis uh, that lasted for several years. Uh, but one of the things that happened was synchronicities one after another, you know, so this is one of these things that, you know, there is a transition point in a person's life, uh, you know, that uh, this, affected him very, very strongly. And uh, so even the uh, the way he came across us, he was having these synchronicities. So he bought a, uh, was, bought a French uh, uh, translation of our book, Seven Secrets of Synchronicity. And he was reading that. And he decided at one point to, he would uh, go online and look up UFOs and synchronicity. And he comes to this uh, uh, photograph that's part of a blog, and it showed exactly what he had seen: these uh, the craft with these beams coming down into a field. And he said, "Yeah, that's." Uh, and then he looked at uh, where did this come from, and it it turned out to be uh, something that we had put up on our blog. And he realized, "I'm reading their book. You know, I got to contact those people." <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that it's it's amazing how those things can happen, and um, you know, there's certain. Um, there's a certain aspect of any of these experiences where there's still a pretty big taboo about whether it's synchronicity or UFOs mm -hmm. or, or whatever. And I think that's uh, one of the, one of the barriers uh, for uh, developing a, a, our mental apparatus or developing our uh, sense of trust in ourselves and life is to the extent that uh, we miss those miss out on the fullness uh, and deeper meanings and, and meanings and meetings of some of those experiences. So it's just, it's amazing to follow something through and hold it becomes part of it as well. Yeah. It yeah. may not show up right away, but you have something happen. Maybe it's a dream or whatever it is. And then an aspect of it will show up weeks, months, or years later. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it just snaps it together in a, in a way that, that gives it meaning you could never have guessed. Yeah. So in the, in the um, academic world, uh, UFOs, aliens, and the paranormal is somewhat of a taboo subject, or there's a lot of skepticism. So I was wondering how uh, people that you may know from that world react to your uh, documentary. 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't know because I haven't really pushed real hard. Uh, I, I think there's probably mostly silence, uh, I'm, but I don't know. <laughs> around, around, uh, uh, there, there's some, uh, uh, it's time to break that silence, David. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, I don't, I, I can get a proselytizing bone going sometimes from myself and, and I kind of have to watch that. And, and so I don't, I really don't want to push too hard on things and learn to just kind of be playful and, mm. and really say to people, this is something that wants to invite you. Right. That's right. a good way of putting so it. If you don't feel invited to, you know, it doesn't uh, do much for you, then that's okay. Uh, there's no shame or problem with that. It's just, we're all different and maybe it will later, maybe it won't. And everybody's, you know, playing a role in the human drama, different roles in the human drama. So it's all good. And, you know, I, I really appreciate skeptics. And, uh, one of the other, uh, sources, um, in the film, Tim Freak talks about that a lot, uh, as far as skeptics and, and really welcoming them and encouraging people to be skeptical, but also to remain open at the same mm -hmm. time. And he also, and, yeah, he, uh, either it was him or somebody else explained very well. One of the reasons why academics or science, uh, scientists, mainstream scientists feel this way about the paranormal is that you look at history that uh, religion used to dominate science uh -huh. and control yes. it. And uh, so they see this as a fear of a reversion to that, uh, which is really not. But uh, I think that's one of the basis of, of those uh, experience. Plus, they tend to be atheists. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's right. And so um, I think it's going to take a while. It's going to take some time for some of that to, some of that tension to ease up a little bit, at least for some people. Um, I think there's. it's also true that many people who might be, uh, let's say, skeptics or scientists in a, in a, in a more hard, uh, factual way, mm -hmm. um, they many times will have experiences that they can't explain. And, but they know that they can't go public with it because, right. you know, the, their career would be threatened. Um, so that's another thing I think that uh, Dean Radin brought out uh, mm -hmm. in some way, too, that that, that can be uh, part of the uh, obstacle. Well, that's like uh, Michael Shermer, you know, who started uh, the Skeptical Inquirer, was it? Yeah, yeah and the editor of that. he had a synchronicity of spirit contact on his wedding. Yeah, the, that's... Uh, and he mm -hmm. wrote about it. That's, that's, mm -hmm. that's one of those transition times in our life, birth, death, uh, marriage, mm -hmm. divorce, uh, a meeting of a, you know, uh, someone of great significance to your future. And th he was getting married and uh, his wife was German and she wished that she could have some of her family there uh, for, you know, the wedding in the United States, but they, they couldn't be there. And especially her grandfather, who was, who was she had been very close to and who had died. And one of the things she had inherited from him was this <clears throat> old radio that, that never worked, but she just kept it. Oh, that radio came on playing a love song on the wedding day, on the wedding day while they're getting, <laughs> uh, while they're getting ready for uh, the, 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 uh, the wedding. And it continued to play for an hour and, uh, and, and and she looked at uh, look. She was probably a skeptical person to herself, who is marrying Michael Shermer. <laughs> and uh, but she said, "My grandfather is here," you know. She, and and Shermer wrote an article uh, in a Scientific American in Scientific American about this experience and saying, you know, saying you have to, you know, when it happens to you, you have to take a deep look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, you know, very interesting. But two years later, he was totally on the other <laughs> side again. But, uh, Time for another synchro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and, and I think this is, to me, this also kind of is a reminder of that it is so personal. Mm -hmm. And so the more that somebody kind of can come from that inner work place or what their, what their uh, inner life would suggest makes it more, can make it more palatable because sometimes otherwise 
uh, somebody might feel forced or pressured into, oh, this means now I've got to change my beliefs, or right. this means God is operating in my, this is a sign of God. And for some people, that's a real turnoff, and perhaps rightly so. I, I yeah. think that can, again, kind of, I mean, it could be God if that's what fits for you. I'm not against that. Right. But you just, I think you have to be careful not to choose something that is too fixed or rigid, uh, whatever it, that is for you, and to kind of keep keep open about it. Yeah. Own, own it for yourself, really. Mm -hmm. know, know what it is for you. Yeah. For me, when you, you, you apply directly to God, that just makes it kind of confusing because it brings up all these things about uh, what you think about religion and yeah. Uh, yeah. the history of that. And, uh, so yeah, uh, I rather see it as the universe, you know, uh, the yeah. source, uh, you know, yeah. a different term. Exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, there's so many of these things that have kind of uh, get, been co-opted, you know, certain things, uh, the, the people apply their certain meanings and then that's what you're supposed to fall into. And, uh, that takes away the individuality. I mean, the, the, the main yeah. part of this has to do with being an individual. Um, I was just noticing a quote from the poet Charles Bukowski recently, uh, in a meme that I believe it was, um, do you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And and that's really that's getting one. back to that acorn idea or right. the, the essence or the genius or whatever you want to call it that's in you. And um so that's that's really what what that's about and so it's trying to break through uh to get your attention and it does it not just through synchronicities but through any of these weird experiences that you want to describe or through in, insights mm -hmm. or instincts or dreams at night or whatever. And mm -hmm. just to learn to develop a relationship with that is the main thing, I think. Yeah. Uh, just one more note on that Michael Shermer story <laughs> is that afterwards that radio stopped working and it has never, it didn't work out <laughs> after that. Again. Yeah. You know, he, he settled around with the batteries and that, and it, it would it could never get it to play again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's I, I love that. You know, I had something a little bit similar, uh, not quite that dramatic, but uh, the very, the, but close to it in a way. Uh, at least from from a meaning standpoint for me, the very first interview that I did uh, when I started the film project was with Tim Freak, and I was running late to get to the interview to help David uh, set up the equipment. Because the reason I was running late was because my uh, computer printer malfunctioned and I couldn't print out my questions, so I had to run to the library. And use, yeah, and use their computer, you know, take a flash drive and all that. So by the time I, I get done printing that out at the library and I run out to the car, now I'm like maybe going to be 20 minutes late. And I get in the car, I'm, you know, anxious and thinking, oh, geez, what a terrible way to start and all this stuff. I turn on the radio and the song that's playing is Synchronicity 2 by the police. You're kidding. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it just lightened me up right away. I, I both laughed and cried at the same time. And by the, by the time I got there and everything and told them that story, they were delighted. And David didn't care that I was late. He had things well in hand and, and all that. And, and then Tim says, well, maybe you should actually, you know, reach out to Sting and see if you could interview him, you know. <laughs> and I thought, fat chance. But later on, in, in a few years, I thought to myself, you know, I would feel remiss if I didn't at least try. And this is an example of playing with a synchronicity. Right. I thought, it, you know, and the quantum world would say it's all about possibilities, right? Uh -huh. So play a possibility, see, just for the fun, see what happens. So I, I managed uh, with the help of somebody at the Apple store, I found out, you know, where his agent was and, and contacted <laughs> them, I believe in New York or whatever, and um, wrote, I think I called on the phone and then the receptionist thought she thought it was kind of a cool idea what I had in mind when I told her. And so I'm, I'm almost thinking it's you know got a chance. She gave me the name of the agent and, and the agent very politely wrote back in a couple of days and said, well, we're sorry, but he's so busy right now. And, right, yeah. so forth. and you know, and I, that's really what I expected. But yeah, it was right. fun to try. And, and yeah. Uh, so you, you have you to just, follow those. You yeah. never know because, you know, and, and later on, somebody else was uh, another colleague was uh, looking in the creative world, was looking for you know, how to how to reach Sting. And I said, well, gee, you know, I think I've got the phone number and I'll give it to you. <laughs> so who knows, who knows where that went, you know, so. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, That's pretty yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. So one of the psychologists in your video suggests that uh, we presently don't have the mental apparatus to understand synchronicity in terms of science, just as 
Aristotle would not understand quantum physics if you went back and told him about it. So the mental app apparatus didn't exist at that time. Do you think we could extend that same logic not only to synchronicity, but to other unknown phenomena, such as concept of spirit communication or uh, alien, the alien abduction experience? Uh, it's, that's another really nice question, and I, I don't have as much experience with some of those other things, uh, other than, I, I, but I would, I would still reply that any inner work that you do, in whatever form that takes for you, whether it's through meditation or psychoanalysis <coughs> or, or work in your dreams or anything, um, whatever, whatever your practice is, I would say, you know, do your practice and see what comes. Mm -hmm. And that's part of, uh, I think it overlaps with what we've been saying about the uncertainty hero, you know, that yeah. you, you remain open, um, and try to be, have a foot in both worlds, that kind of thing. Also don't force things. Yeah. Um, you know, that, I think that's one of the biggest mm -hmm. kind of applications from the East is the idea of uh, what's called Wu Wei, I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. Alan Watts talks about that uh, in relation to Zen. And um, so that, that fascinates me. And, and I think that's part of a mental apparatus is really defined uh, to continue to discover ways that we can connect with the universe and feel like we're, we're one with it. And, but yet you can't, if your ego gets a hold of that and suddenly thinks, oh yeah, I'm, I'm better than you, or I've, yeah. I've had, or I've had more of this or more of that, then I, you know, that's the trickster coming in and, mm -hmm. and it's going to kick you, you know, slap you in the face or something at some point to go, oh yeah, you think so? Uh, maybe not. And so it's, that's all part of the trickster, but, um, yeah, just getting comfortable with, um, unusual things and keeping an open mind and at the same time some skepticism. I think all that right. uh, is part of it and that can apply to a great number of things as you, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. yeah. but in, in their so, own way. So, so we're coming uh, to the end of our hour, David, but I have one other question. <laughs> uh, what advantages do you think an exploration of uh, synchronicity, meaningful coincidence, can provide for the average person who is not normally tuned into these matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's what um, he's been talking about, you know, being. You know, yeah, to a great extent. I, I think it, it's um, to get back to the subjective, um, I, I would say to somebody, what, where are you right now in your life? Oh. You know, what, what kind of things are you mm -hmm. struggling with or what's, where are you in the story of your life? that sort of thing or, and, and really get in touch with yourself about whatever that is, because I don't know that, that I or anybody can say to somebody, this is the recipe because, uh, I mean, we can give suggestions, but it, I think right. it's, that's all it is, is a, is a suggestion. And so, and this is one reason I like fairy tales is that if you can, you know, find a fairy tale or a myth that resonates with you, then you've got a mirror, then you've got a reflection on mm -hmm. what's going on in your life. And then that can enrich you and deepen your life. And, and here's, here's what I think ultimately the, the trade-off is there's, there's discomfort or pain uh, or fear that goes with this kind of search uh, that is more, it's certainly not conventional, you know, mostly we, yeah prefer to stay on the surface and, and all that with what's comfortable. Yeah. But when we can go into the dark, then we get, uh, ultimately we get to discover who we really are mm -hmm. and, and we get a sense of, um, maybe being comfortable with ourselves a little bit more. We get a sense of coherence with our past. We begin to like, like I begin to look at my life and go, wow, look at how things, you know, evolved, yeah. uh, with my sister and how that led to this and so on. Of course it helps to have a little bit of age behind you, you know, to look back, <laughs> yeah, you know, context. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and so, so more, more confidence with the future about, the yeah. Future. And, and, and as a result, yeah, you get confidence with the future and, and all that then, uh, kind of comes together. And I think that's a bit of an antidote for, um, you know, whether it's you want to consider it kind of a virus of anxiety or whatever that mm -hmm. might be going on with us with all the uncertainty, then this mm -hmm. can be this can be a vaccine in a way. Oh, wow. That's a good way of looking yeah, at it. Right. I like Interesting. that. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, this has been great, David. And what I'm going to do is call you after this so we don't have to keep John okay. on, the radio, on the podcast. Okay. That <laughs> sounds John great. Yeah, this is wonderful. Thank you and so much. It's a lot of fun. Please tell people where they can you know, find your movie, your website, yeah. the whole nine. Yes, uh, it's it's simply the title of the movie, 
whatissynchronicity.com is the website. Uh, you can also um, find so you, you can find everything there. Another way you can find me or the movie is through Vimeo. It's uh, Vimeo on demand is a way to download it or stream it. Uh, so you can look there as well okay. on Idol. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, great. And everybody definitely watch this movie. <laughs> Thank Good. you so much. It's wonderful. Thanks for joining The Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. Mystical.